to another episode of the Campbell's Football's Northern Irish Football Show uh, with me, Dr. Grant Campbell. Uh, I'm joined for this episode of the show by a woman who once again uh, knows her Irish League football. No end is the one and only Lauren McCann. Lauren, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much for having me. I feel like I've missed so much football. I've been away for a while, but I've been listening to the other episodes and Stephen and Ran have been great. So I've been kept up to date really well for the other games I haven't been able to see apart from Giffenbaugh. You've been really busy and of course you've had your very own first uh, publication on the BBC Sport NI website since we last spoke on the show. Fantastic accolade. Congratulations. Thanks so much. It's an absolute dream come true. When I saw the email come through that it was actually going up, it was amazing. So it's just really surreal to be able to see my article on the BBC, a website I use so much and have done for ages. So yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> I mean, obviously it was disappointing that Cliftonville ladies didn't win the, the Niffle Women's Premiership, but it was a cracking game they were involved with, with Glenn Torrent, which ultimately decided the title for the Glens. Oh, it was, you know, I was there and just that I kind of struggled in the first half, but the second half come back, you know, I really thought they were going to go on and win it. And then unfortunately conceding that goal, you know, when you give Carrie Beatty a chance in the box, she isn't going to miss. Um, so it was really disappointing, but it was really good game of football, great advertisement for the women's game. You know, I'm just hoping Cliftonville can go one better next year. Yeah. And you've been doing some, some great work yourself. I believe the Sporty Scoop, the podcast that you're very much involved with at Queen's University is back up and running. Yeah, it is. We started back when term time started back, so we're three episodes in. And yeah, we have we had Carrie on the show um just before the Cliff and Little game. Um, thankfully, I didn't have to congratulate her on the league win yet. <laughs> uh, no, we're good friends. It's okay. And then yeah, we have some of the Queen's clubs in, just kind of talking about their clubs and stuff. And then we had Tomas Cosgrove and Josh Button on the show on Monday, so that was good fun again. Yeah, go and check out Lauren's podcast, The Sporty Scoop, some really great content in there and a lot of really interesting knowledge about not just Northern Irish football, but Northern Irish sport. Uh, very much worth a recommendation. Find it on Spotify, iTunes, all the major places. Yeah, just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, just everywhere. Well, it's uh, absolutely interesting. I'm sure people will tune into that. Lauren, it's been a really interesting instant-packed week again uh, in Northern Irish football, but we got to start uh, with the disappointing news that Northern Ireland uh, will now not qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, they lost both their matches in this series of internationals games, uh, away in Switzerland and away in Bulgaria. Just to assess the two games as a whole, how disappointing have those two results been for followers of Northern Ireland? Well, it's been so disappointing, especially after the positivity of the last international break. You know, the big win in Lithuania and the friendly win, and then also the draw with Switzerland. Okay, it wasn't the best result in terms of the campaign as a whole, but there was real positivity that they were built on something. And, you know, the game against Switzerland, I think, okay, they probably wouldn't have won the game if they had 11 men on the pitch, but people were you know, quite impressed with the performances, particularly the back three. But I think, you know, all the positive feeling just went out of it after last night. Um, I think everybody was just, on Tuesday night, sorry, bitterly disappointed by the second half showing against Bulgaria. It was, you know, sloppy. Uh, they looked disorganised. And obviously it was too quiet from Bulgaria, which won the game. But realistically, Northern Ireland should have put them out of sight. 
um, in the first half and one point from a possible six against Bulgaria, you know, it's not good enough to really expect to qualify if you can't beat teams like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been really disappointing. Obviously, the injuries didn't help, but there's been injuries in previous international breaks. It's not really mm-hmm. an excuse. And, yeah, it's just really disappointing. It's kind of like an opportunity missed because although Switzerland are a really good side, you know, if you get the six points against Bulgaria, you're still taking the final few games and anything could happen, whereas now it's just, you know, playing for pride and even trying to get third place now seems like it's going to be a fight. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I, I remember the, the Switzerland game. I watched it after the highs of following Scotland uh, the, later that same earlier that same day, I should say. And then watching the Northern Ireland game, I actually thought Northern Ireland started quite well. Yes, Switzerland had a goal ruled out in the early stages, but I think Connor Washington missed a really good chance. He hit his ball straight at Jan Sommer. But then we have to talk about the Jamal Lewis red card. Um, did the referee have, you know, a, a bit of a problem there because it just he just had a common sense bypass in my opinion two really really soft yellow cards yeah it was a bewildering decision I think the first one probably is the yellow card it's a bit of a silly challenge for Jamal to be making but the second one you know I think the referee has kind of panicked and was trying to set a precedent that you can't waste time even though it was only 36 minutes into the game and it was only what 20 seconds between the ball going out and Jamal looking to throw it and I think only after he had brandished the yellow card, he realised it was a second yellow and, you know, he couldn't take it back. But it was a really disappointing decision, as you said. You know, Switzerland had been on top, but I thought Northern Ireland had been containing them quite well. But, you know, that completely changed the changed yeah. Switzerland's direction, changed Northern Ireland's tactics and obviously worked in Switzerland's favour. And I don't think it was just that decision that really angered Northern Ireland fans. I think it was the referee's performance throughout the game. You know, he never really seemed to have control and, the crowd certainly had a big influence on him. So I think overall it was just a disappointing night and it was compounded by that. You know, Ian Barfoot was furious after the game and with good right to be because I haven't seen anything like that setting off for that offence ever in football. I mean, I was looking at bizarre sendings off the other day and the one that sort of kind of comes somewhat close in some respects is what happened to Darren Murray a couple of years ago when he was at Glen Torren. You know, I remember he got substituted, he came off the long way and I think the referee showed him a second yellow followed by a red. Okay, he was coming off the pitch, but it seemed really baffling. And that's the only one that I can think of that was anywhere near close to a decision like that. Yeah, I actually remember that. I think it came up on social media a few days ago. I think, I think it was, it was me that tweeted about it. <laughs> well, but, <laughs> yeah, um, I actually do remember that, yeah. Um, I think that was kind of a different instance. I think it was a different kind of time wasting that it was near the end of the game. You could maybe sort of understand, although it was still, you know, mm-hmm. a silly red card. Um, but yeah, and such magnitude for Northern Ireland that it was an awful decision. I mean, ultimately, though, um, will Ian Barraclough be more disappointed at the, the manner of the two goals they conceded, particularly at the end of first half uh, to stop its time and also right at the end of the game as well? Yeah, I think this was kind of the chat I was having with Josh the other day that, um, you know, right before half time, if they had got in at half time, the crowd's a bit catchy. You know, Northern Ireland and OK, we get through the next 10 minutes in the second half, we get the 60, we make subs and we try to go for this. So I think that goal would be really disappointing, especially because it was a mistake, a mix-up at the back. The second one, I kind of, looking back, I think Peacock Farrell maybe should do a bit better, but at the same time, 
you know, I don't think Northern Ireland really cared at that stage if they conceded a second. It was, you know, get the equaliser and try to get the win. So I don't think the way go that late in the game really had an influence on the results. So I definitely think the, the first goal they'll be really bitterly disappointed by because it was a mix-up and because, as you said, it was in such a late stage of the game having contained Switzerland so well with 10 men. I mean, ultimately, Switzerland got to the quarterfinals of the European Championships in 2020 in the summer. They're a very good side. They beat France, one of the uh, you know highly anticipated teams that people were expected to go deep in the tournaments. They're a good side, but Ian Barraclough said, I think in his post-match interview, they're a good side. They don't need help as well from extenuating circumstances, and that will have been very frustrating for, for Northern Ireland supporters. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think... It seems to be a current an occurring theme with referees in Northern Ireland in games against Switzerland. It just seems like the injustice will never end, and that was another one to compound the misery. But as you say, Switzerland are a great side. I think it was Northern Ireland's other results against the likes of Bulgaria. Um, they'll be really disappointed that they didn't at least bring it, you know, to the one of the last games in the next international break against Italy to decide that, you know, the fact that the dreams are already over. Um is a bit unusual at this stage in recent years for Northern Ireland. You know, they normally still have hope going into the last few games, but unfortunately that's gone now. Let's talk about that Bulgaria game because it seemed like a game of two halves. I mean, Northern Ireland were, were really good in the first half and you mentioned this at the top of the show. They got themselves in front, but they did miss some big opportunities. They should have been more than the one goal up. The goal scored from Connor Washington, of course. Yeah, you know, as you said, I think that perfectly encapsulates it, a game of two halves. You know, the first half they created so many chances and you know, in football, if you don't take your chances when they're presented to you, particularly in the first half, you know, you're, you could get punished. And the defending for the two goals, although they were great finishes, you know, they stood off um, the player twice and let him have a shot and let him get the volley in. So I think, yeah, Ian Barcliffe will be so disappointed because they seem to be cruising. Um, but, you know, 1-0, like 2-0, such a dangerous scoreline in football, especially at half time, And they came out the second half and just didn't show up. And it was... You know, the whole team, it wasn't two players, which proved to be really problematic. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, the two goals that Nedelev scored for Bulgaria were really good goals, weren't they? Particularly the second goal. Yeah, it was a super finish. You know, you can't blame Peacock Farrell for it, but, you know, you can't question the marking and the defending. They give him the space in the box, which I think Farcliffe will be disappointed from. Disappointed about, sorry, but, you know, I just think overall getting beat by Bulgaria team you know, maybe in and around Northern Ireland's level, maybe arguably, you know, worse than Northern Ireland is, is unacceptable. And especially as well, having drawn with them at home, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be just so disappointing. They obviously, uh, Stuart Dallas, I think, just had a kind of a cameo appearance off the bench, didn't he, in, the, in, in Sofia. But there was a lot of players that were injured, as you mentioned earlier on. I think Ali McCann was out of the game. Shane Lavery was out of the game. These are big players and Northern Ireland, you know, if they're going to develop going forward, you kind of need those guys to to be in and around the first team to be being influential. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Lavery's appearance, well, kind of bursting onto the scene was only really in the last international break. And there was so much positivity that him and Washington had struck up a really good partnership and there was kind of a good balance up front. And Northern Ireland maybe had that striker who could chances and was a nuisance in the box that they didn't previously have. And for that to be taken away with Lavery, especially in such good form at his club was really disappointing and Ali McCann as well as you said he's really grown into his role in the Northern Ireland team so it was really disappointing he had the miss out and it just meant you know so many positional changes and 
tactical changes with where players were playing. But I think, you know, one bright spark from such a disappointing night in Sophia was Conor Bradley's appearance. I was going to come up to that. I mean, what do you you make of him? I mean, he's kind of burst onto the scene in the last kind of couple of internationals. He looks like he could be a big talent for the future. Yeah, definitely. I think he's handled coming into the team at such a young age really well. You know, he's not afraid to put himself about, but you can tell that he plays for Liverpool as press and he does time most of his chances quite well. Okay, the one in Shakiri the other day in, in Switzerland probably married a yellow card, but I think he's looked really bright. He's very energetic. I think the wing-back role really suits him and I think he can go on to establish himself in this team and that probably frees up some others, you know, the likes of maybe Stuart Dallas who've been playing right wing-back to maybe move into midfield. So I think being able to accommodate Bratley just frees up more players to play in other positions further up the pitch for Northern Ireland. So I think that was definitely a, definitely a big plus. And I think we're going to see more players, the likes of Bratley, Ballard, um, the likes of McCallum and Galbraith to come through. So I do think there's hope for Northern Ireland, but at the moment, you know, it's a pretty sombre mood. Yeah, I mean, the last two games in the group, Lithuania and Italy at home, is this a period in the time under Ian Barakoff's tenure that Northern Ireland maybe start to phase out the guys like Johnny Evans, you know, people like Stephen Davis, and sort of look to this new kind of group of players that's coming through and try to build for the Nations League and, and obviously the, the European qualification campaign, do you think? Well, I think the kind of, not the phasing out of Johnny Evans, but he hasn't really been available the past sort of few international breaks has kind of helped ease that transition already with the likes of Ballard coming through and Kieran Brown stepping up and Craig Cathcourt seems to be the one who's the experienced one at the back now. And mm. I don't know about Stephen Davis yet, what, what his plans are, but I'm sure Barcliffe will be keen to retain him for as long as possible because his influence hasn't waned despite his age. So, And I think he'd be really good to bring some of the younger players through. But I definitely think these last few games are about... You know, blooding some of the younger players, getting them through like they have done already with Bradley to prepare them for the Nations League because realistically it's, you know, a big competition for Northern Ireland, especially, you know, to build momentum ahead of qualifying for Euro 2024, which they'll have a really chance to do. Maybe this is just my opinion, but I think personally going far for Northern Ireland, they should be building the team around Stuart Dallas and people like that. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, that it may be like um, Ali McCann as well in the middle, mm. but I think, you know, you can't look past Davis and what he's done and what he continues to do. Even at that age, I think he's a good anchorman. But yeah, Stuart Dallas, I think, is another really important leader in the team. And I think build the team, having him in the team, Salavri, you know, players that, you know, are going to play all the time if they're not injured will be really key. So I think as well, you know, having already brought through Ballard, I think they'll have a solid foundation, you know, a solid spine if they have him. Davis or Dallas, whoever's in the middle, and Lavery and Peacock Farrell obviously be the goalkeeper. So there's a really solid spine there to build around, which again, you know, is really promising for Northern Ireland. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this off here before we started the show, but does Ian Barakoff need to get Northern Ireland in that third spot to, to kind of get the supporters back on side a little bit? It seems to me that there's still two camps in some respects about whether long term he's the right man for the job. Yeah, you know, I think after a game like that, you're going to be judged harshly, especially because Northern Ireland just, you know, looked so out of their depth in the second half and they were really ragged. So obviously there's questions going to be how much can be attributed to Barclough for the players on the pitch. Um, But, you know, as I was saying before, um, I just think, you know, who else realistically is out there that's going to come in and have an immediate impact. And Mm. as I said, Barclough was brought through with the aim of, you know, continuing that pathway from the under-21s right through to the first team. And I think, you know, giving him the chance in the next, next qualifying campaign with the likes of McCallum, 
Galbraith, you know, hopefully coming through into the first team, he can really start to build something. So I think he definitely deserves the Nations League. But if Northern Ireland aren't able to get out of their Nations League group and Group C, I think serious questions will need to be asked about whether he's the right man for the job. Well, the Northern Ireland men's team might be in a bit of a flux at the moment, but the Northern Ireland women's uh, team have certainly been going well. Their squad was announced as we are recording this podcast. They're away, of course, to England and Austria very soon, or home to Austria, I should say, very soon. And and some really interesting additions to the team, particularly the return of Simone McGill, Lauren. Yeah, I think that's a really big plus. Um, Obviously, you know, Carrie Beatty and Emily Wilson did really well when they played. Um, Caitlin McGuinness also as well was unfortunate to miss out in the squad this time after a good end of the season for Cliftonville. But, you know, Simone McGill's, you know, Northern Ireland's goal scorer. She's the pinnacle. She's the focal point up front. So I think it'll be really key having her back and having her in the Alexa Furnace against England, knowing it's going to be a huge task, is definitely a huge boost for Kenny Shields. Two tough games coming up, especially England away. I mean, is that a bit of a free hit for Northern Ireland in many respects? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think they'll definitely, you know, go there with the intention of at least, you know, trying to get a point. But I think the main aim will be improving upon, you know, they got beat 6-0 last time they played them mm. and England really showed their quality. But I think Northern Ireland now have the momentum after qualifying for the Euros and being on such a good run that they will go there with confidence that, mm-hmm. you know, if they can't get the result, they'll at least push them hard. But I think looking past that, they're probably looking at Austria as a game, you know, they really do need to try win to stay mm-hmm. up there in the group and, I think that's the one they'll be targeting to get a win, especially at home. I mean, one thing that must give the Northern Irish women's team confidence is the fact that the winners of the Premiership, Glen Soren, and obviously Cliftonville finishers up, many of that squad that's in that team, but played for both of those clubs. And, you know, certainly on the club scene, the league looks improved, but it's certainly helping on the international stage too. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I was chatting to Carrie Beatty at this Bunny Scoop, she was saying, you know, camaraderie is great, even not just between all the Glentorn ones, but the ones who are obviously the camp, the camp, the morale in the camp is great as it is. But the ones who play domestically, you know, there's a really strong bond between them all, having been together so regularly. So I definitely think that's helped. And, you know, the league's been so competitive this year and we've seen so many players come back from playing in various leagues to come and play in the domestic game. So it's definitely grown. Obviously, you know, Kenny has said, even if you are playing domestically, you know, you have a real good chance if you play well of getting picked. Yeah, no Ashley Hutton again. I mean, that's a big loss, isn't it? But she was really good on co-commentary on that Glen Torrin Cliftonville game with, with Michael Clark recently. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a huge blow and Linfield have really missed her as well this season. But I think, you know, Kenny's had to deal with various injuries and yeah. players back now, the likes of Demi Vance is back in the squad after injury. So I think he's well adapted and he has, you know, a big enough pool of players to be able to replace her, um, even though she will be a big miss, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And Glentor and women obviously have won the league. I think you guys were talking on the Sporty Scoop about the potential of the, the treble. Do you think they could do it? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I know Crusaders pushed them hard at the weekend. I think Glentorn will be coming out for, not revenge, but they'll be coming out to prove a point um, in this cup final coming up on Friday night, you know, that they are the best team in the league and that that was just a blip. Crusaders, you know, nearly winning the trophy. And I think Glentorn have too much quality, um, which totaled in the end against Crusaders. And I think it will again in this Friday's final. Have you been impressed by them this season? I mean, the Cliftonville really pushed them so hard in the title race. I mean, they really have raised the bar in the women's game, but, but Cliftonville aren't too far behind. Yeah, definitely. I think just Glen Horner so ruthless in front of goal. And even when they aren't playing well, you know, they're really efficient. Um, they're such a good side. They've 
know, such a packed squad full of quality, even off the bench, you know, that's maybe where Cliftonville kind of fell behind them a bit. They didn't really have, you know, direct replacements who were the same quality. So I think Glenthorne have built such a squad and such a winning mentality, having already, you know, held the pre- the three trophies previously, that they have that mentality that they have to go out and win this and winning's become, you know, second nature to them now. So I think they're definitely on the good momentum. The European run as well obviously helped mm-hmm. them. So I think they're an unstoppable force. And, you know, if they shank them again in the summer, even if Cliftonville do, it's going to be a really tough ask for anybody to try and rival. Yeah, Glenn Soren really have been excellent to watch in the women's game, as of Cliftonville. And and we, we wish both those teams well long-term. And also we wish Northern Ireland women well for that matches against England and Austria. Let's move it back to current affairs. The Irish League Cup, took place last night on the 13th of October. We record this on the 14th. Only the four games uh, took place last night. Uh, Coleraine winning 2-0 at Carrick Rangers. Balamina winning in extra time against Crusaders. Uh, Warren Point beating Loch Gull of the Championship by goal to nil. And Glenn Torn winning a penalty shootout against Glenavon to make it through to the quarterfinals. Before we kick off reviewing these games, Lauren, obviously a lot of administration and sort of political issues going on behind the scenes in the League Cup. Obviously, there was talk of Institute being kicked out of the tournament for fielding an ineligible player. PSNI uh, have come back into the competition. What have you made of the situation? Because we still don't know the outcome of Larn's appeal, because we know, as we've recorded on the show in the past, they had been kicked out for fielding that ineligible player against Lunavari. It's all a bit of a royal mess, isn't it? Yeah, you wonder, you know, why this can happen at the top tier of Irish League football, such basic errors that, you know, cost the clubs dearly. I'm sure, you know, Lauren and as well Institute will be raging that they didn't get the chance to play against Linfield and Lauren is, you know, to a really good chance to win a cup competition if they're not going to be able to challenge for the league this year. You know, I think winning more cups was definitely one of their aims. So they're probably really, you know, hoping that this appeal goes through because they want to get back in the League Cup and have the chance of winning silverware. But it's just so disappointing, you know, you just question how this can happen, especially Lauren, now professionally run club. So I don't know, must been in the air at the minute. Yeah, I mean, I had a really good discussion on Twitter with Stephen Beacom. Stephen, if you're listening, a bit of a shout out to you. Um, really interesting discussion with Stephen, who's obviously one of the guys in the know over there. It just seems such a messy situation, but... The fact that Institute have been kicked out for something very similar to what Lauren have been accused of doing and obviously had been kicked out previously, but Lauren have obviously are appealing, you would think some consistency would apply, but we know sometimes that doesn't quite happen that way. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what exactly the stipulations were for them getting kicked out. I know it was an eligible player, but I haven't, I don't know if it came out, but I haven't read mm. too deeply into it yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if it is in a similar vein to Lauren or something different. But yeah, as you said, it's it's just one big mess. I'm sure the organisers of the League Cup aren't too fond of this either, having to constantly rearrange games. Um, as well, obviously, Cliftonville having to rearrange their game during mm. the international call-ups as well. So Bola Down had you know, to as well against the Balna Mallard as well. Yeah, that's another game that I think was postponed because of international call-ups as well. Yeah, so I think, you know, League Cup organisers already have a headache over fixture scheduling and I think teams feel the eligible players and then having to be replaced by other teams in the competition doesn't help either. Let's discuss the games that did take place last night. The one that sort of springs off the pages, Glen Torn and Glen Avon. Of course, these sides met recently in the Irish Premiership, the Glens winning 2-1 against Glen Avon. But this game was really interesting, wasn't it? Because it went all the way to a penalty shootout 
And this was much needed, I feel, for Glenn Torn because they've had a very sticky last few weeks. Yeah, you know, you could tell by the reaction of Jay Donnelly when he scored that goal that they thought he'd won it in extra time, you know, just safe. And even when McLean scored his penalty, it was an overriding feeling of relief um, that Glenn Torn managed to get it through. And, you know, they're probably hoping that this really kicks them on, spurs them on to go on a bit of a run now in the league as well as the Cups. And I'm sure they'll be wanting to challenge on all fronts. Obviously, the league will be their main priority, but, you know, getting as far as they can. Um, into the League Cup and with more and more Premiership teams getting knocked out they'll really fancy their chances I think Mick McDermott will be pleased as well winning on penalties um, and McLean you know so cool to step mm. up for that last penalty so as you said I think it was a really important win in you know a crazy game <laughs> Yeah absolutely a crazy extra time especially Robbie McDade had given Glenn Torn the lead in the 99th minute Andy Hall equalised from the penalty spot before Jay Donnelly put the Glens back in front at the end of the first period of extra time, but Josh Doyle getting that equaliser with one minute of extra time remaining to take it to a penalty shootout. You mentioned about Patrick McLean there, Lauren. It's been a difficult start to the season, I think, for Patrick McLean, but this might give him the confidence going into the season because he had a really good campaign last year. I felt he was one of Glenn Torrance's best players last campaign. Yeah, you know, him and Luke McCulloch formed a really solid partnership this season, but it just hasn't been hasn't really clicked so far for them. And as you said, you know, McLean's looked a bit shaky at times, but, you know, I think he, he was wearing the captain's armband yesterday, but probably give him a bit, do his confidence the world again, and even scoring that last penalty to be trusted to step up to convert the fifth one, you know, it's always a sign that somebody's going to be a good penalty taker and he certainly lived up to the villain. So I think him and Glenn Thorne will be, you know, really pleased to get through relief. As I've said, it was probably the first... Mm-hmm are actually pleased they've got through and they'll be hoping, you know, a good draw in the next round and they can really progress in the comp competition. It's not been a great season for Glenavon so far, hasn't it? I mean, this is another game in the cup this time whereby they've had an opportunity to come through against a, a top-class opposition and they've come up short. How would you feel if you were Gary Hamilton right now? Because it's just not working out for Glenavon at the moment. Yeah, I think it's so frustrating because they do push these kind of, you know, bigger sides so close, but in the end they come away with nothing. And, you know, I think their problems are kind of both ends of the pitch. You know, defensively, they still look, despite, you know, their additions in the summer, they still look a bit shaky. And then up front again, despite mm-hmm. bringing in waterworks, they're not really converting their chances in front of goal. So, you know, it's what issue do you address first? And, you know, they seem to be of equal importance at the minute because they're goals and, you know, they're scoring, but they're not scoring enough to win them. So, I think, yeah, Hamilton will be really disappointed. It's kind of, you know, like they finished last season so inconsistently and they've kind of started this season in this in a similar vein. So there's certainly problems to address, but I'm sure he won't be panicking yet. You know, I think they went on a bit of a run during the middle of last season that kind of pushed them up the table and into the reckoning for um, getting a in place. So I think he'll, you know, keep persisting with the system. Obviously, they're only, what, six or seven games into the league season mm. and these players are still trying to settle in. But, yeah, I think he'll be disappointed that Glenavon don't have more points on the board. And even in that, you know, to go out of the cup so early, he'll be bitterly disappointed after having, you know, brought it the whole way to penalties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm quite surprised that Glenavon are conceding the amount of goals they've got when you consider the defensive options they have. I mean, you've got Sean Ward there, you've got Mark Stafford there, Mark Hockey, you know, you've got Andrew Doyle, you've got James Singleton, although I think James Singleton is still injured at the moment. You've got the, the keeper Taylor, who I think has been really good since he's come into the, the fold. You kind of wonder why it's not quite working out. And then you look at the top end of the pitch, you know, Danny Perkis has now left the club. 
there just seems to be something lacking there from Glen Avon. But you just mentioned it there. If they were to get a win, that might give them the momentum that their season needs. Yeah, definitely. You know, especially with so many season pros in there, you're kind of just wondering how they are conceding so many goals. But maybe it is, as you say, you know, a betting in process still for the likes of Hawkey and Stafford and Taylor, their new goalkeeper. But I think the loss of Danny Parkus is huge. You know, I, it was a striker I really liked this season. Mm. You could kind of see him being able to strike up a partnership with Waterworth. So I think they're really missing that at the moment, kind of maybe that link player. Um, to get the service, Andy Waterworth, because you know if he has the service, he'd score goals in the box, but maybe it's just not falling to him at the minute. But, you know, as you said, one win and it could change a lot. And if I haven't looked at their fixtures, but I presume there's a point in the season where they have a favourable run of games where they really think, OK, if we can get the points here, we'll be right to the table. Yeah, well, I could actually just bring you up Glen Avon's next few games, actually, now that you've mentioned that. Uh, they have Dungannon at home, then they have Crusaders and Cliftonville away, and then Balomina at home. It's not easy games on paper. No, I think maybe they're probably looking either side of the two Belfast games for Balomina and for Dungannon, the teams who are sort of struggling like them at the minute. I think they'll be looking at those to get wins, and then you know they're away to Cliftonville, which you know solitude at the minute is a really tough place to come. And playing Crusaders as well will be really difficult. So I think they're definitely looking at the run of those four games you know, for at least two wins and then pick up, you know, one or two points against Crusaders and Cliftonville. But as you say, you know, there seems to be no easy games in the league, such as the Manor at the moment. But I think they'll be relishing the chance to play Dungannon at the weekend. And, you know, they really need three points there. Speaking of Crusaders and Balamina, they also played in the Irish League Cup last night. What another cracker game this was. Balamina winning it with the last kick of the ball against uh, Crusaders at Seaview. John T. Smith scoring a double in this match. Uh, Daniel Brammel uh, got uh, his first goal for Balamina in extra time as well. Uh, ben Kennedy and Jordan Owen scoring for the Cruise. This is a big win for David Jeffrey and his team, isn't it? Yeah, you know, especially because like Langham had, you know, not a great start to the season and they're shipping goals. But, you know, I think they were worthy winners of that game. They pushed Crusaders really hard. That goal from Daniel Brammel was a great finish. And, you know, John Smith popping up in the vital moment and you saw what it meant to Balamina the celebrations at the end mm. you know this really was a big win away to Crusaders who you know have really picked up form recently and I think you know Smith coming in kind of he's kind of hit the ground running he's got a good couple of goals in his last few games will be really crucial for them especially with Parkhouse out and you know I remember mm. you saying on one of your previous shows you were kind of questioning where the goals were coming from and I think you know Smith really has stepped up the plate and will need to continue stepping up to the plate for Balamina yeah, no, absolutely. His goals have been very important for, for Balamina in, in recent weeks. And, you know, looking at some of Balamina's recent performances, you know, the, the, they played the Cruise the weekend. We'll come on to talk about the, the weekend's games, but, you know, they, they, they lost that late goal against Carrick. They were 1-0 up, and then they didn't see the game out with a man advantage. They, they were involved in that thriller with Dungannon. They lost at, at Coleraine. You know, it, it just felt like they needed a confidence-boosting result. This looks like they might have got that. Yeah, definitely. You know, they haven't got the rub of the green even on Saturday. I know we'll come on to talk about the game, but it seemed like they had chances, you know, to get themselves back in it and they couldn't. That crazy game with Dungannon. Um, and then, you know, the Carrick one is David Jeffrey is so disappointed, especially, you know, having been a man up and having been 1 0 up. So I definitely think, you know, they were coming out with a point to prove. They really need, or they're really hoping, sorry, that this will be the catalyst to kind of spark their season into life because they've had a pretty inconsistent start and they're probably. You know, they're languishing near the the bottom half of the table where they don't really want to be. So it, they definitely probably will hopefully use this as a springboard, you know, to get further up the table. 
If you're a Crusaders fan, how frustrated would you be to lose this match in the League Cup? Because as decent a start as they've made in the league, the Cups are a bit of an opportunity for that club to, to go far. But what, what do you think? Yeah, especially the manner of the goal, you know, a header in the last minute where, you know, Smith just seems to outjump the defender he's against is, is really poor goal to concede, especially, you know, if you're playing it and you're thinking you could get it to penalties. So I definitely think, as you said, you know, the league's probably not a realistic game this season. So the Cups definitely are. And, you know, the Irish Cup's an extremely difficult competition to win, as Crusaders know. So obviously the League Cup is too, but, you know, haven't got the just before the quarterfinals the fall at that stage you know if they had I got through they probably could have got a another favourable draw I mean, obviously their chances when we went them so I think they'll be bitterly disappointed to lose it especially in the manner in which they lost the game so yeah it'll probably be a real kick in the teeth but now you know focus must go on improving their league position and then trying to game when the Irish Cup comes round. Uh, congratulations to Balamina. We must say on the show, uh, commiserations to Crusaders. Uh, also, congratulations have to go to Cole Rain, uh, who continued their really fine, rich vein of form. A 2-0 away win at Taylor's Avenue against Carrick. It's now 5-0 in aggregate that Cole Rain have had over Stuart King's side this season. And Matthew Shevlin loves scoring against Carrick, doesn't he? I think this is his third goal against uh, the, the Amber Army this season. Uh, one in the first half, one in the second half. And I think Oren Kearney came out and said it wasn't one for the purists, but the defending champions, they got the job done at a tough location. I'm sure they'll be very happy. Yeah, you know, I think he said after, if you had a, offered him at the start of the match, he would have bit your hand up for it. So I think he was really pre- pleased. It was a very professional performance from Coleraine. And, you know, they're a scurry side when they got on a run of form because they're a team, you know, who really thrive off momentum and go on long runs, long run and winning runs. So, you know, getting one in the cup, especially as the holders at, Taylor's Avenue, you know, in a midweek game, it's always a tricky proposition, but to be able to come away with the, the win and progress the next round, you'd be really happy with, especially, you know, because although it wasn't the best of games, you know, goals and a clean sheet, you can't really ask for much more. And I think, you know, definitely Coleraine will be in the mix to win that again. And they just, when they start a winning run, it doesn't seem to end for a very long time. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they get on and where they end up come Christmas. Yeah, Coleraine in their last eight games have only conceded one goal, you know, in all competitions. It's quite extraordinary. That goal was, of course, at Windsor Park against Linfield. I mean, it's a phenomenal defensive record they have, particularly after the first two games of the season where they lost four at Larne and, of course, lost two against Cliftonville, both losing that first two games. Yeah, they've really shored up defensively and, you know, credit to Oren Kearney, who's obviously addressed the issues they had in the first two games, but... You know, as I've said, with the players they have, you know, the likes of Linton Kane and Aaron Trainer as good defensively as they are offensively. So they probably, you know, looked at the first two games and were thinking we shouldn't be conceding this many goals and they've really done well only conceding that goal at Linfield. So, you know, when they're not conceding goals and they have the likes of Matthew Shavlin scoring them, they're a really difficult opposition. And, you know, as I said, I definitely think they'll be up there at Christmas time and then, you know, We'll see if, like the other kind of part-time teams, if injuries bite. Yeah, let's talk about Car Rangers because it feels like this is the first little bubbly blip that they've had uh, since Stuart King has come into the job. They obviously lost the, the Linfield game of the weekend, which is no shame they did lose 4-0, but will they be disappointed that they didn't push Coleraine a bit closer in this match? I think Garth did save the penalty in this game, didn't he? Yeah, and then I think, you know, if that goes in a 2-1, there may be the belief their tails are up and you know, home in front of their own crowd, they'd really be pressing to get that second goal to get the extra time and then you don't know what will happen. But yeah, I think he'll be disappointed because, 
they've had such a good start to the season. You know, maybe if you're looking at Carrick last year and they're getting beat 2-0 by Coleraine, the League Cup holders are saying, okay, well, you know, Carrick haven't been playing well. That's a reasonable scoreline, but especially because they've made such a bright start to the season and, you know, they're kind of going into every game expecting to get a result by that. Um, that's probably a disappointing one, but I'm sure, you know, as much as I would have liked to progress in the cup, you know, the league is ultimately Carrick's main aim and they want to maintain this good start to get them further away from the relegation zone as possible. We love a couple of Marshall Gillespie stats on the show and we're going to pull a couple up here. Garthine uh, making his fifth penalty save for Coleraine uh, in his career, fifth penalty save his career uh, after that game against Carrick, which is fantastic. And now Matthew Shevel has scored eight goals in just 12 games for Coleraine this season. I mean, that's a great return. And he could be a very big player for Coleraine if they are going to challenge for the league or, or even the Cubs. Yeah, you know, he's had really hit the ground running this season. I think, you know, playing regularly has really benefited him and with Warren putting his trust in him, I think he's really repaying the faith that he's shown in him. But he's such a good finisher. You know, if you give him a chance in the box, he's, he's likely to take it. He's done mm-hmm. really well for my fantasy team so far, so I hope he keeps it up. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he certainly has. Congratulations to the defending champions safely through to the quarterfinals. Now, I want to personally offer an apology to all fans of Warm Point Town Football Club because I thought they would lose that claim against Lockall in the League Cup. I thought they would be surprised, but congratulations to Barry Gray's side. They pulled off a 1-0 win to move into the quarterfinals. Thomas Maguire getting the only goal in this game, Lauren. Of course, Thomas was on the books at Cliftonville. What a big boost for him and his own confidence because it's been a bit of a difficult time for him with injuries and maybe just not quite getting the, the rub of the green in the team. Yeah, definitely. You know, he went there, um, I think last January it was, just to get the game time because he'd been in and out of the Cliftonville team and hadn't really got a regular pace. And then, you know, unfortunately, after scoring on his debut, overhead kick, a sumptuous goal. I hope everybody go check and then obviously he got a really serious injury and was out for a good time but you know he did his recovery really well in the summer and he's he's gone back to warm point you know to finish a loan spell it's kind of you know a sense of unfinished business and especially with Cliftonville playing so well you know he'll have his eyes over in solitude and know he has to perform if he wants to have any chance of coming back but um I've his goal from last night he took it really well it's a really good finish and you know I think he can be a big player for one point because certainly as a Cliftonville fan you know he's a really exciting player he was used to coming off the bench at Cliftonville whereas starting for one point he can he's kind of hoping to have that impact over a sustained period because when he came on he kind of had spells for Cliftonville never really materialised in the third game but you know if he can start getting goals and a for his belt and you know have them push up the table I think he has a chance of coming back to Cliftonville after his loan spell. But I think for now, his focus will be, you know, OK, that's the first goal this season. It was in the League Cup. Now let's get into the team, you know, for league games and let's start, you know, getting goals and assists on board, especially because Warren Point have had such a difficult start this season. Mm. I think that win for him and for Barry Gray and his side will be, you know, huge. Yeah, absolutely, because it was Warren Point's first uh, win since the opening day of the season. And they are currently at the bottom of the Danske Bank Premiership. I mean, this is something that Warpoint absolutely needed, isn't it? Just a win from somewhere, just to get some form of confidence. And obviously we'll talk about their, their upcoming games, but they have some some really tough matches ahead, particularly against the likes of Linfield, Coleraine and Crusaders. Yeah, you know, that's grim writing for any Irish League team, never mind one who's, you know, struggling to put any kind of form together and, you know, even put string a performance together for 90 minutes. So, I think that one, as you said, is definitely crucial with those games coming up. You know, it gives them the chance to maybe build a bit of momentum and, 
you know, keeping a clean sheet as well will do them the world of good. But as you said, you know, they're really daunting fixtures coming up. So I'm sure Barry Gray will be prepared for those. Is this a missed opportunity for Lock Gall? Because they've been a very strong start uh, in the in the championship. They're currently fifth in the table. I personally thought they would have a bit of a go here. I thought they might nick this game because of Ward Point's struggling form. But, you know, they didn't create too many chances by all accounts in the game. And Ward Point were fairly comfortable. Yeah, you know, I think it probably will be a missed opportunity, but it just goes to show, you know, maybe the golfing class between the Premiership and um, the Championship, that even though Warm Point have been struggling this season, you know, they were quite comfortable against Lockall and, you know, was it down to Warm Point being the superior side or did Lockall just not show up on the day? So I think it'll definitely be disappointing, but, you know, maybe they were facing a wounded apple and Warm yeah. Point, you know, Bargray probably sent the side out saying that they needed to win this game simply. That was the message. So, I think they had, you know, such kind of a sense of vengeance that they need to go out there and get the performance that even if Lockall were on their game, they probably wouldn't have stopped them. So, as you said, huge win for them, especially with such a difficult run of fixtures coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we have still have some outstanding games to be played. We mentioned earlier on in the show about some of the administration uh, technical issues which are still to be ironed out. There are two outstanding games that are definitely to take place. Ards, Cliftonville, and pour it down Balna Mallard. I mean, just a quick overview of both of those games, Lauren. Obviously, you're a Cliftonville fan. I mean, going to Ards, they've made a very good start in the championship. Is this a bit of a banana skin for the Reds, do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, you know, I've obviously seen Ards good results this season, but I haven't been really able to see, you know, how they've been playing. Obviously, Calvin McCurry's gone there on loan, so I'm now, you know, trying to keep a keen interest on them. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, a midweek game away from home. Cliftonville normally, you know, when we get um League Cup or Irish Cup games, um, we normally get them at home. So it'll be really interesting to see how they did with going away from home and Port of Down as well will be another interesting one against Balamina. You know, there is the potential there for two championship upsets, but I think Cliftonville just have too much at the minute. Um I think they'll come through whereas Port of Down, I think they'll still come through, but I certainly think it'll be a tougher task for them. Yeah, I mean, Balna Mallard, they're in a, a pretty decent run of form, I think, themselves at the moment. They're currently seventh, but, you know, they have a game in hand. So, uh, yeah, it could be interesting for them. But Porter then obviously got that much-needed win against Warren Point before the, the little, well, a couple of weeks ago. So that would be really good for them. But as we said, there are a couple of outstanding uh, technical issues to sort. We believe Linfield will now be playing the PSNI, who have now been reinstated following their uh, uh, the situation there with Institute. We still await confirmation on the situation with Larn, and I'm sure you will see that in due course. In fact, you may know when this podcast comes out the outcome uh, of that saga when that unfolds. Let's uh, turn our attention to uh, last weekend's matches in the Danske Bank Premiership and also the Championship and Intermediate Leagues as well. Uh, there was only three games in the Premiership because of international call-ups and other circumstances. Crusaders winning 1-0 at Palomina. Uh, the defending champions, Linfield, beating Carrot Rangers 4-0. But Lauren, we have to start with the game on Friday night where it was Corey nil, Glenavon nil, the woodwork four. I mean, it was quite an extraordinary game. Corey hit the woodwork twice. Glenavon hit the woodwork twice. How did this game finish nil-nil? I honestly don't know. I think it's one of the most entertaining nil-nils I've seen. You know, a penalty miss as well thrown in there. You know, you had mm. everything but a goal. That's all the game lacked. And it's just crazy. You know, I... Do both sides come away delighted that you know they've got a point after escaping with um you know the, 
hitting them, but at the same time, are they disappointed that they haven't converted those chances close to goal when they've hit the weird work? But, you know, I think in the end, the point was a fair result, but, you know, it was such an entertaining game. You know, you don't say that often about an nil-nil, but it was two mm. teams, you know, attacking, you know, with great intent. So it was just crazy that it somehow I mean, ended nil-nil. I mean, Conor McKendry is so unlucky with his effort, isn't he? Cutting inside, and I, I must admit, I thought it was in, because I actually watched the game on, on Friday night, hit the underside of the bar. Really great strike. And then I think uh, Cather Friel uh, hit one against the, the top of the bar as well. But you, the two Glenavon chances, I mean, I think uh, I think it was um, Kyle Beggs that hit the post for the, not the best of strikes, but it very nearly beat the goalkeeper. I think it ran across the face of the goal. And then Michael O'Connor's free kick, well, Gareth Dean was not getting there, wasn't he? And off the post, and you know, Cole Ray maybe got away with that as well. Yeah, you know, the Beggs one, I thought it was just going to creep in. It kind of caught everybody by surprise, but they're the ones, you know, that normally just about go in. And as well, the Conor McHenry one deserved the goal. Um, but he was so unlucky with that effort. But yeah, as you said, you know, I think Cole probably do come away given the chances that Glen Avon had that came, you know, off the post and off the bar. They're probably relieved most, but. Even, you know, Glen Avon will be thankful that they didn't concede. Mm. Let's talk about the penalty. Uh, Stevie Lowry missing it. Were you surprised, A, that he took it and B, that he missed it? Yeah, I'm not too sure who um, their normal penalty taker is, but I remember Jamie Glacken, I think, has had mm. one against Cliftonville before. And I thought Bradley might have been on the penalty or Friel. Uh, but Lowry is, of course, the, the I think the captain, is the, although Donald is the captain. But, you know, Lowry is a big-name player. But I was surprised Lowry took it. But it wasn't his best penalty, but a really good save from the goalkeeper. i got to say that. Yeah, it was. You know, he kind of seemed to pull his hand away and then still get to it. But I, I think that was more to do with the fact it was, yeah, as you said, you know, a poor penalty. He hasn't really struck it the best. Um not, you know, he kind of telegraphed for going with it, but at the same time, you know, it was a really good save. He got a good strong hand to palm it away, you know, not back into the danger area. So I think Glenavon both, you know, I keep swaying in between Colleen will be happier with the point, Glenavon will be happier mm-hmm. with the point, but, you know, with Colleen having missed the penalty, maybe Gary Hamilton does come away thinking, you know, okay, we're, we were well worth the point there, probably could have had all three, but we'll be relieved we've come to a hard place and taken a point that's that in the right direction. I mean, this game was on the eve, of course, of Owen Bradley's wedding. And there was a big incident towards the end of the game, was there, where Bradley was penalised for a foul, which looked a little bit bizarre because if it wasn't given, you know, there was a great chance for probably a goal on that. That was a bit of a weird incident, I thought. Yeah, it was It was quite soft. And the defender going down, I think he's trying to buy that foul and, you know, he, get, he gets away with it. But, you know, Bradley was incensed. So I think that's given against you at a late stage of a game when you know, you have a clear chance to go through. I think it was just a 50-50. I don't think it was a push. So I think the referee got that one wrong. And, you know, Colleen rightly, you know, really annoyed with that decision because, as you said, they had such a clear chance probably to get a shot off and maybe get a goal. Yeah, I mean, Taylor in the Glenavon gold, a few really good saves in this game as well. I mean, he looks like he's now making the number one jersey himself. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, they've... Glenavon have kind of struggled with goalkeepers the past few seasons, you know, fighting one that's going to stick around regularly and perform really well, but he did have a really good game on Friday and, you know, he's probably hoping that can be him, sustain himself in the team and have a really good season. Yeah, I mean, there was over 2,000 fans on Friday night at the Coleraine Showgrounds. What a great setup now, obviously, with the 4G surface as well. That'll be great for Northern Irish football fans home and away to come into this uh, new setup. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think um remember Stephen saying on last week's show as well, just the kind of the renovations I've had around the stadium, not only the pitch. So it definitely, you know, I haven't made it to the showgrounds yet, but I plan to go this season and I'm excited that I'm going, you know, to see such a good surface and you know, obviously the fans of Coleraine have really missed them. They've come back from lockdown in great numbers as many clubs have, but you know, to have two thousand at the game is a really good number for Irish League and they're probably hoping to keep that up and it, it makes it a really intimidating atmosphere for visitors going there. Well, absolutely. And the, and the woodwork, as I said, got the three points uh, there on Friday night and Coleraine and Glenavon were very much denied in that game. But a really entertaining goal was struck. Uh, there was another entertaining game uh, on Saturday. Balamina nil, Crusaders won. Uh, the Crews winning this game, uh, courtesy of Jarrett Rook, Not a, a renowned goal scorer for Crusaders, but he won't care. And I'm sure Stephen Baxter won't care either. That's a great away win at the showgrounds. Yeah, definitely. And I think he'd be um, impressed by the first half performance in particular. You know, Crusaders really should have won that game by more than one. They dominated the first half. Okay, Balamina had some chance second half, but there were kind of half chances. You know, Crusaders limited them really well. But it was really patient build-up play for that goal. And, you know, O'Rourke had been kind of been involved in the initial move. And mm. then, you know, he hangs back at the back post and, you know, is alert and alive. Um, when the ball comes in, I think it's from Billy Joe Burns and he's on, you know, he's already headed home. So, as you said, you know, a huge win for them away from home. Um, probably should have been by more, but he, Stephen Baxter will just be delighted to get the three points. And it's kind of, you know, back to the efficient Crusaders. You know, they may not play the best, even though they did play very well in the first half, but they'll come away with a win. Yeah, they've picked up two away wins from the three league games so far, the uh, away games, that is. They did lose, of course, to Linfield on the opening day, but they went to the Oval and kept a clean sheet. They went to the Balamina Showgrounds and kept a clean sheet. That's got to be something to work upon. And, you know, if they could keep that solid form at Seaview, why can't Crusaders get in the European picture? Yeah, you know, I think that's going to be an aim for them this this season. Obviously, disappointment of last year um, when they missed out, but, you know, they'll probably say themselves they weren't good enough anyway, but yeah, definitely. You know, they've made an impressive start, and if they keep keeping clean sheets away from home, you know they're going to come away with at least the point, if not all three. Um, mm-hmm. I think their only real issues probably, you know, their front. McMurray had a good game on Saturday, but I, I don't know if he's the clinical front man they kind of need. So I think that's probably their only real issue. Obviously, it's not at the moment, but that's where I would just be a bit. Um, it would be a bit of a cause for concern because I think they've really solid foundations at the back. You know, um. Since Josh Robinson comes in, he's he's formed a really good partnership with Daniel Armour. And you have the likes of Billy Joe Burns there. So they have really um, Johnny back. So they have solid foundations at the back. I think it's just, you know, whether they'll have enough up front to really challenge. I mean, Crusaders have got a favourable next four games on paper. They've got Carrick away, the Glenavon at home, and then Dungannon and Warren Point away. And yes, three of those four games are away from home, but they're all against sides that traditionally are bottom six clubs. And Stephen Baxter will be looking at that and thinking, let's get 12 points and let's give ourselves good momentum going into that that fifth match and that run away at Inver Park against Larn, who, of course, they've beaten so far already this season. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that will be key for Crusaders, the momentum going into those big games if they have those run, those wins behind them. Um, they'll go there with, you know, every confidence that they can get all three points. And I think um, somebody had said, you know, it was proper Crusaders' performance when they played Larn. Um, mm. you know, the old school Crusaders really, you know, just physically done. And I think, you know, when Crusaders play like that, as even now, although, you know, it's quite a different team from when they won the league, the they still enjoy real success from it. So, you know, as you've said, they're favourable fixtures on paper and 
I think Saberbacks will be hoping to come away with at least you know nine points from them, and um, if not more, and um, you know a really good Crusaders stand them in good stead for when they have you know difficult runs coming up, especially with that long game. We've talked an awful lot on the show about Billy Joe Burns at right back and some of the other major starlets of the team, but Jareth O'Rourke for me, he got the goal in this game, but he feels like he's molding himself into that first choice left back for the Crews, which is all important because. You know, really, Crusaders haven't had as a strong left back for a few seasons now, probably maybe since Ronnie Brown, maybe. Yeah, you know, I think he's kind of gone about establishing himself in the team and he's kind of, you know, players just going to give you seven, eight out of ten every week. You need one of those, you know, not going to hog the limelight all the time, but will pop up with a few goals or assists as he did at the weekend. And, you know, he's always been a reliable player for Crusaders in and around the squad if he isn't starting you know he seems to always be available so as you said yeah he kind of goes under the radar but he's a really key player for them especially at left back which has been you know a kind of problem position. He sort of reminds me of Pablo Zabaleta when he was at his best for Manchester City he was one of those 7 out of 10 players that always put in a really solid performance maybe he didn't contribute a lot with goals and that but always did his defensive duties and just a solid all-round game well so that's why I wanted to, to mention that uh, back on Balamina, I mean, yes, they won, obviously, that reverse game, obviously, uh, in the League Cup against Crusaders in midweek. But, you know, just four points so far for the first seven games in the league. You know, DJ needs a bit of a result or two in the league to get their season up and running. Yeah, you know, they're they're just so disappointing when they get into the final third. And obviously, you know, they scored the goals in the Cup and on well, Tuesday night. But, you know, the game at the weekend, they just... They kept pumping balls into the box and they just didn't seem to create any real clear cut chances. They hit the bar, but that was the only, you know, chance mm. of note. And it just, as you said, in the scene of Glenavon, it's just not quite clicking at the moment. Uh, I think, you know, having such a mass exodus in the summer and then a huge overhaul trying to bring players in, I think they're still trying to bed in. And obviously the unfortunate long-term injuries that they've had, you know, we keep mentioning them, but they are key, you know, Connor Keeley and David Parkhouse, you know, two players who would really start well. every game. Josh mm-hmm. Kelly, sorry, you know, two players who would realistically um start every game if they're available for Balamina V and I. And you know, I think you don't want you know, there's no better manager to get you out of a slump like this than David Jeffrey, but you know, he's a huge task in his hands. Obviously Balamina had probably kind of been looking at getting up and challenging for the, the European places, but at the moment I think it's you know it's trying to stabilise and just pull away a bit from the bottom half of the table and the relegation zone because, you know, they are quite close to it. Yeah, I mean, if there's one player that is playing very well, though, for Balamina at the moment, it is Ross Redman. I mean, he's contributing once again with a range of assists. I think he got one in the, the League Cup, didn't he? And I think he got a, a couple uh, in the game against Dungan. And he's a, he's a really big player for them. And also Leroy Miller as well. You know, his quality. Uh, all down that, uh, well, that side of the pitch will be very, very important. Yeah, you know, Ross had a really good season last year. Surprised me, you know. I know he's, he seems to have been around for ages in the Irish League, but he really came of age last season, and you know he got he got so many assists, and you know he's kind of continued that on this season. And although he plays a full back, you know it's really key that he is preventing those assists, especially his crosses under the box. They can be really dangerous, and if you know I have a focal point up front like John Day Smith, you know that could be a really good combination for Balamina and a source of where they're probably going to get most of their goals from. Yeah, I think Paul McElroy as well. He's a player who needs a goal for me. It's not quite kind of clicked for him so far this season. But of course, Ryan Wade was missing from this game because he was away on international duty. Him coming back will be big for Balamina, I'm sure. And, you know, their next couple of games are really interesting. They've got Porta down uh, at the weekend. And then they've got Cliftonville and Larne and then Linfield next three. You know, these are tough games for Balamina. 
Yeah, especially, you know, because they haven't really had the results so far. And if Saturday doesn't go well and they're kind of in a slump going into the games against, you know, Cliftonville Linfield, it's really not what you're wanting. But, you know, they're probably hoping to pick up all three points on Saturday after, you know, a good result midweek in the cup that can kind of spur on, as I said, be the catalyst for their season. So, yeah, I think the main focus will be on, on Saturday, but it's a tough coming up. But, you know, if they can get anything from those games, I think it'll be a real positive, given the form they're in at the moment. Yeah, I think we've uh, done a lot about Valamina Crusaders on this week's show. So they got two helpings uh, for the price of one in that one, of course. Uh, Valamina won the game in the League Cup, but Crusaders obviously winning the game in the league. Um, let's move on to our final match that took place uh, on Saturday. Linfield uh, thrashing Carrick Rangers 4-0. But this was a bit of a strange game, wasn't it? Because uh, I know David Healy came out in his post-match interview saying that it was an average performance. He scored four goals. In 11 first half minutes, Christy Manzinga scoring a double, Sam Roscoe uh, scoring his first Linfield goal, and Marty Donnelly scoring his first Linfield league goal. You know, big for the team and, and big for Linfield. But what did you make of this? Because obviously, as I said, Healy unhappy with the way his side were playing, but 4 0, you can't really argue with that scoreline, can you? Yeah, it was, you know, with a book over ruthless Linfield performance, they might not be at their best, but, you know, how many other teams cannot be at their best and still put four past a team in an 11-minute spell, you know, especially because I think there was a bit of rotation in the team as well. I think Healy will be pleased with the players that come in, the likes of Roscoe and Marty Donnelly, you know, having an impact on the game. And it just shows the strength and depth that Linfield have. As I said, they don't have to play at their best, but they can still score four goals and blow away a team who have had a really good start to the season and have looked really solid. So, you know, I think... He can't have okay, he can have his complaints, but especially, you know, given their fixture congestion they've had recently, I think he'd be really pleased to have come away with such a big win. I'm gonna give Sam Roscoe a bit of a build up here because of course he was on the books at Aberdeen, my Scottish football followed club here uh, in Scotland. And you know, I was really pleased to see him getting off the mark. Obviously, he's had spells in the Scottish League, so so really big for him. But I'm really pleased as well for Marty Donnelly scoring his first goal because obviously you will know of him playing. Uh, at Cliftonville, but obviously at Lauren as well. You know, you've got him on one side, Kirk Miller on the other. That's a recipe for surely some long-term success for Linfield when those two guys are on point. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, um, Carrick's goalkeeper will be disappointed he wasn't able to keep Marley's effort out, I think. But, you know, he's kind of, since his move in the summer, he's kind of been, you know, on the bench for a bit and just kind of had to work his way into the team and kind of probably adapt the Highland field play, but you know, being able to bring him on as you know a second choice player and have him coming in as a rotation option, you know, it's key for Linfield's title push and it shows the quality throughout their squad. You know, Kirk Miller's just such an unbelievable player. His delivery for Manzinga's goal was super, mm. and you know, he's another one who's had a really, really good start this season. So, although you know Haley won't be pleased with the performance, I think he has to come out and say that you know the standards that Linfield demand the performance to go with the win, but. I think he'd be really pleased if they were able to come away with a win. And if you're a Linfield fan, you're probably delighted. Yeah, Christy Manzinga back in the team as well after the suspension gets a brace as well. He's now up to seven league goals for the season. I mean, he's going to be a big player for them this season if they're going to retain their title. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think as well, he, although he's first choice at the moment, you know, there is competition there from the Nexus Salam. Um, Green and Billy Chadwick, but Manzinga's really, you know, grasped the opportunity that he's been given and he was missed by Linfield, you know, when he was out with his suspension. But yeah, seven league goals, he's really hit the ground. He seems like a striker that really thrives off confidence. And, you know, he took his header well and his other goal, his second goal really well. And 
he definitely, as you said, you know, he has the potential to have a Shane Lavery-esque season and he'll be key to Olympia's title push. Yeah, absolutely. Jamie Mulgrew was also uh, back on the bench and I think he came on for the remaining 15 or 16 minutes of this game. And that'll be important as well because, you know, Mulgrew is such a big player and him and Shields in the middle of the pitch, they just offer so much experience and quality. That's going to be very important for them going into the later stages of the season. Yeah, really well. And, you know, when you have those two in the midfield, if you're going away to one of your rivals, you know, you have solid protection there, but also players you can get off the pitch. You know, Chris Shades has been so impressive since he came in. Um, he's been a huge asset, obviously, one player of the month recently. And having him alongside Jamie Mulgrew, already the best players in the league, you know, that's such a solid midfield partnership, and which they've built up already. So, Linfield will be glad to have him back in. And, you know, with the likes of Shades performing so well, maybe... Mulgrew can have a bit of a rest sometimes. Obviously, he was out injured, but, you know, to preserve him for the rest of the season for big games, they can probably give him a rest with Shields playing so well. So, you know, their squad depth is, you know, enviable um, for most teams in the league. And I think it will really be key to them, you know, retaining their title this season. I know Stuart King came out after the post-match interview and said they had a mad 15 minutes. And, you know, if you take that 15 minutes out of the equation, Carrick played quite well in this game, but... Ultimately, they lost 4-0 and the scoreline doesn't look good on them. It, it could be a harsh reality when you travel to Windsor Park. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's one of them. You get punished at this level. Um, a better team if you have spells like that where you switch off and some of the goals they conceded were really poor. Sure, it'll be really disappointed. But, you know, he probably can take heart from, you know, once he calmed down after that 15-minute spell from the reaction he got in the second half. You know, they were a lot better, but he just thought the baby decent ultimately be so disappointed that you know they had that mad spell but you know I'm sure it's a learning curve and obviously he probably went to Linfield with the attention of trying to come away with some but I suppose it was kind of a free hit despite their good start this season mm-hmm. you know Lim- Linfield away is always a tough game so I think it'll just be about moving on you know it'll be one of those that'll try to get out of their mm-hmm. system quickly and just focus on the next game. Yeah, and I think they've been struggling a lot with injuries as well. I think they've still got quite a few players out, particularly David Cushley, who's such a, a key player for them. I mean, if the sooner they get these injuries back, or injured players back, I should say, the better for them long term. Yeah, Cushley had a really impressive game um, against Cliftonville, and he started the season really well and had been handed the captain's armband by Stuart, you know, which shows the trust he placed in him, and he's obviously already come in and is a big leader in the squad. So he's been a huge miss from a creative perspective. And obviously Stuart Nixon being suspended as well didn't exactly. help. So mm. having, having players like that to come back, you know, will be really... Yeah, they'll be very important, I'm sure. And a great win there for, for Linfield there and, and putting them very much back in position uh, near the top of the, the Premiership. Let's move into the Championship because there were some really intriguing games uh, in the Championship last weekend. Bally Clare beat Dundella 1-0 on Friday night. A disappointing result for Nal Curry and his assistant, uh, Clifford Adams. You haven't listened to my previous chat with Clifford. Go and check that out in the Campbell's Football's archives. Uh, other matches on Saturday. Balna Mallor 0, Institute 0. Harlow Wolf Welders winning 2-1 at Dergview. Ards winning an absolute thriller against Not Breda from 2-0 and a man down to win 3-2. Newry City and Loch Gold drawing 1-1 and Anna winning 2-0 against Queen's University. Let's start with that incredible game uh, between Nock Breda and Ards. Um, you know, Ards 2-0 down, Jamie McGovern sent off in the first half. But what an extraordinary turning around. McCurry getting a double uh, and Jallo sandwiched in between to, to win this game for Ards and, and take them to the top of the standings. Yeah, you know, I think it's the mark of 
them really wanting to impose themselves as contenders to go up this season. You know, it shows great character to come back from being a man down and two goals down to win that game. You know, I think it'll really spur them on for the rest of the season. You know, three wins in a row now, that is. And they're looking really good up there and they've such a strong squad. I think, you know, Calvin Murray, I'm really pleased for him. You know, came back from a horrible ACL injury at such a young age and obviously went out to Ards to get the first team football and now he's getting the goals to go with it. So I was really pleased for him to be on the score sheet and, you know, be keeping a close eye on them because of him and his Cliftonville connections. But yeah, as you said, you know, to even come away with a point from that game, they probably would, would have been delighted given the circumstances, but three makes that even sweeter. Yeah, I think the last time uh, myself and uh, Stephen Crawford did the show, uh, my phone said that Ards were leading the league and the Northern Irish Football League website said that Newry City were leading the league because I think they had the same goals scored, goals conceded, goal difference was identical and it was just about the uh, positionings. But Newry did uh, drop points. They drew at home against Lock Goal. Do you think Darren Mullen's team will be disappointed that they didn't get maximum points there? Yeah, especially having seen, you know, Ards' result and... It's kind of been a bit of a rough patch for Newry recently, you know, looking at their last few games. Obviously, they had the win the week before, but a couple of losses and a draw thrown in there, you know, after starting the season so well, mm. you know, it's kind of disappointing. But it's pro- probably could be just a blip. And, you know, in a division where everybody takes points of everyone, you know, they're still only two points off odds. So it's not the end of the world. But yeah, I think he'd be disappointed he couldn't get all three. But, you know, they're still up there. They haven't lost too much ground, is probably their only good takeaway from the weekend. Yeah, and Ballyclare are still hanging very much onto the coattails of the top two. A 1-0 win against Nell Curry's Dundell and Liam McKenna uh, really scoring goals, isn't he? He's up to six now for the season. I mean, they're going around rather nicely and under the radar, perhaps, Paul Harbinson's team. Yeah, you know, it's probably the way he likes it as well. He obviously talked about in your chat with him, you know, just building on last season's success, but you know, they've had such a great start this season and I think expectations have been raised and, you know, as far if they can keep maintaining, you know, their fourth place, be, you know, and on, on the coattails of Arginuri, you know, come the latter stage of the season, they really have a chance to push on. But, you know, it's a division where anyone can beat anyone and having two wins in a row is really good. But, you know, you never know what next week's results could bring. But, yeah, it's been a really, really good start to the season for them. Obviously, not so much for Dundella, even since now. Men, it's been a bit of a struggle. Probably shows, you know, the problems mm-hmm. at the club that, you know, it's not going to be a quick fix. But, you know, there's no better manager in the job in the championship to get them out of the predictor at the moment. Uh, a great win for, for Harlan and Wolf Welders at home, away at Dirkview. And of course, this weekend, I believe they have their first home match in their new stadium. I mean, it's a it's a big opportunity for that club and a great win away at Dirkview and Callum Byers getting the winning goal to, to move them back into the top half. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a great occasion at the weekend. You know, it's another sign that the club's you know, really trying to up their infrastructure and get into the Premiership and, you know, that win put you know, has really pushed them up the table. And again, they're not too far away from being on, you know, the likes of Ballyclare and Honest Coattail. So another good win. And, you know, you just think in this division, you know, one or two wins in a row and it takes you straight up to the top of the table or near the top. It's it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, Queen's University, unfortunately, getting left adrift at the bottom. I mean, they're a club that yourself keeps an eye on. I mean, great away win for Anna, but Queen's are, they just need a, they just need a performance and a result somewhere because... You know, like Dondella, although Dondella have had the initial kick under Niall Curry, Queen's just cannot get a win under Peter Thompson. 
Yeah, I just think it's it's so difficult, you know, having come up from the intermediate league and then having that break because of COVID, you know, they're probably still trying to find their feet at this level and the, maybe, you know, at the moment it just seems they're not cut out. It's, they're probably, you know, just not good enough yet for the level that they're at. So it's definitely been a learning curve this season so far, I think, and they'll just be keen, you know, to get a win from anywhere, as you've said, and just start putting a few points on the board because, you know, Although they're only one point behind Dundalli, you know, there's a gap kind of opening up in mm. Texas Derby and Institute there. So it probably won't be long before they're cut adrift. But, you know, it's probably Peter Thompson's gone out and said, you know, it is a learning season. It's they're, They understand, you know, where, they at, where they're at as a club and getting that promotion from the Intermediate League was, you know, a huge surprise and great at the time. But, you know, they're kind of struggling now. But, you know, you never know in this division, as I've, I've said before, a win could come next week. But yeah, they're they're definitely struggling at the moment. Yeah, I mean, for the first time this season, though, it does feel like the league is just starting to entangle itself a little bit. I mean, it was very congested, wasn't it? But there is now seven points gap between sixth place welders and ours at the top. I mean, but as you say, you know, this week coming up, you know, we could see a couple of those teams beat some of the top teams in it, all coming close to them. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of separated a wee bit, but not too much yet. Even, you know, at the bottom of the table and Dundella and Queen's, you know, for all that's been made of Queen's bad start, you know, they're still only a point off Dundella. And, you know, it just, it is, is crazy seeing how close everyone is, even with 11 games played, you know. I wonder what it'll be like after 20. I presume the top clubs will kind of pull away a wee bit more when, you know, they start to get runs going, especially mm. with... Or, you know, they have three wins in a row now. They're probably, you know, aiming to go on a good long run. But, you know, the nature of the division, you never know what's going to happen week to week. Yeah, no, very much so. And let's move on to the Intermediate League just very quickly. Just uh, review the scores there. Bambridge Town winning 2-0 against Lisburn Distillery. Banger uh, thrashing Moyola Park 5-0 at Clandy Boy Park. Dollingstown beat the PSNI at Planters 2-0. Uh, Limavari won 2-0 against Portia and Newington and Armagh shared four goals in a 2-2 draw. Um, Lauren, just very quickly, banger top of the table, maximum points from their first four games. I mean, Lee Feeney and his team are, are going along rather nicely. They'll be fancying their chances of trying to get up to the championship this season. Yeah, definitely. You know, an ideal start, you probably can't ask for much more and they seem to be a real force, especially at home. But, you know, there's still only two points, you know, separate them between Armagh and Newington and Banbridge. So, although it's early stages, you know, they the teams that are going to be pushing them hard, but certainly, you know, they have the momentum at the moment and I'm sure they'll want to be continuing that winning run. Yeah, very much so. Let's move into the uh, fixtures uh, for this week's matches in the Northern Irish Premiership. We're actually going to do two sets of fixtures this week because there's no show next week because I am off on my holidays. So let's have a couple of uh, Premiership matches to preview then. Uh, Carricker against Crusaders, Cliftonville-Larne, Glenavon host on Gannon Swifts, Balamina travel to Shamrock Park to play Porter Down. Warren Point Town hosts Linfield and Glen Torn hosts Coleraine. That's a 5.30 kickoff at the Oval and you can watch it on BBC Sport and a website. Lauren, let's assess the six games. I mean, Carrick Crusaders, you know, Carrick have had a couple of really disappointing results of late. But Crusaders, you know, they'll be disappointed after losing that game in the League Cup, having gone extra time. This is a big game for both teams to get back on track. Yeah, you know, and especially as we've mentioned before, Crusaders' is good start away from home. I think they'll be really looking at this game as another opportunity to get three points, but equally Carrick, you know, they'll be wanting to bounce back and, you know, prove that that against Linfield was a one-off against, you know, one of the so-called bigger sides. So it does promise to be a really intriguing game. You know, I think now when I look at Carrick games, 
really hard to call given just mm. the vast improvement they've had in such a short space of time. But as well, Crusaders are a side you can't call. So I think it'll be a really interesting one, but I think Crusaders might just edge it. Yeah, I think, away I, th- from- I, I think, I think it'll be 2-1. I think it'll be very tight and I, I like Carrick. And the last time I backed against Carrick, I had to personally apologise to Stuart King and said that I was a bit of a numpty and eating lots of uh, humble pie. But I just fancy Crusaders to win again. Uh, now inserting humble pie into fridge. <laughs> so uh, I've gone for, for 2-1 to, to Stephen Baxter's side there. Now, Cliftonville, the league leaders. Lauren, I've just put a piece out on Over the Bar this week. The three Cs, Cliftonville, Crusaders and Coleraine, and how one of one or all of those three uh, clubs can upset the apple card at the top of the Northern Irish Football Premiership standings. I mean, Cliftonville have made such a good start, the early pace setters, but they're up against the Lawrence side, obviously, who are just tucked in behind them. This is going to be some game at solitude on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I'm so excited. I think it's going to be a really raucous atmosphere. I expect a, a full solitude for this one, especially, you know, with Cliftonville and, and also Lauren having been in action last weekend. Um, I'm a bit worried Cliftonville coming back, obviously having a bit of an extended break, um, but Lauren are the same. So suppose it's an equal playing field in that sense, but it's going to be a really exciting game. You know, the last time these two played, it was obviously the the... European playoff was a really exciting game, but the last time they played um, at Solitude, it was a bit of a dull affair. But, you know, even a 1-0 win, the games between these two sides tend to be quite close. But I'm really excited given the bright start we've made. And, you know, I always fancy Cliftonville. The Solitude seems to be a fortress. So I'm going to go for a 1-0. I hope I don't jinx it. <laughs> well, well, Cliftonville did beat Lauren 1-0 last season, didn't they? I think it was Ronan Dockerday that uh, got the only goal of the game. I'm going for a Desmond here. I'm going for 2-2. I think it'll be a really exciting game. But I mentioned in my uh, Over the Bar piece that Cliftonville have made such a strong start to the season. There's a, a really interesting variety of players that are contributing throughout the team, not just with goals, but defensively as well. And that's a good balance for a team there looking to push, maybe not for the title, but certainly for silverware and, and European football. And Cliftonville have certainly made that a good start. Yeah, I think, you know, the league may be just past the reach this season, but I definitely think solidifying ourselves in the European places is a huge aim after just missing out last season. And I think Johnny Addis has been such a key addition so far. You know, he's mm. he's been excellent since he came in. He, he won Player of the Month award justifiably. So he's had such a commanding influence on the defence. And even other summer signs, you know, Cricky Gallagher's been so impressive in midfield and he's kind of just seamlessly come in um, to help the transition from Liam Bagnell. And Jamie McDonough, you know, has come in for Darrow O'Connor and He's, he's just providing the assists at the moment and it's great to see Joe Gormley back scoring goals and Ryan Carton, you know, throughout the team there's they're going to contri- contribute, you know, both defensively and offensively and it's just such an exciting time at the moment and I, I hope the good run continues because there's a feel-good factor at the moment and huge crowds are coming back to solitude, which is always nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at the, the recent head-to-head matches, I mean, Lauren have won three of the last five meetings against the Reds, but as I said, Cliftonville did win uh, against Lauren in one of the meetings at Solitude 1-0. I mean, it's always very tight, isn't it? There's just that one goal uh, in three of the last five. Of course, Lauren did beat Cliftonville in that European Conference League playoff final. I mean, that was the last time they met. So it could be interesting to see where both teams are at because Lauren, you know, they had that little bit of a blip, but they find their feet again, it seems. It'll be interesting to see if they could kick on themselves. Yes, you know, the, the mention of that European playoff, oh, it, it still hurts so, me to this so, day. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> I just had to get it in there. <laughs> but yeah, you know, recently, although, you know, 
their performances maybe haven't been the best. They, they've come away, they've grounded the results and I think they probably will have to do the game the same again on Saturday. But, you know, that you look at their squad and there's quality even with players injured and you know, I think it, it's it's set up there. Both teams are kind of on equal starting at the minute, so I think it's going to be a really, really exciting game. Yeah, I think that could be one of the games of the weekend there. Um, the next game we're going to look at is Glenavon, Dungannon, Swifts at Morinview. This is a game that I feel both teams need to get a result. Dungannon have started to score a few more goals, but they're also conceding too much. Glenavon need to score goals, but they're also conceding too much. Yeah, you know, it's one of those where both teams are desperately in need of a win, but... I could probably see a draw out of it. I don't think mm. either has enough, you know, at the moment just to get the win. But I think, you know, it's another evenly matched game where both will be looking at it thinking, you know, we can come away with the three points here. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go with the draw for that one. I'm going to go for a narrow Glenavon home win. I'm going to go 2-1. I do think Dungannon will be very competitive, but I could just see Glenavon uh, winning it late on there. Um, now, Portadown against Balamina. Portadown did beat Warren Point uh, in the lead to get off the bottom. Uh, but they're playing against Balamino, who obviously are on the same points. They're both uh, kind of dead level in the table, ninth and tenth. I mean, big opportunity for one of these sides to, or maybe both, to start getting some momentum. There's a draw there, but certainly one of them to to get on the coattails of Glenavon if they do slip up against them, Cannon. Yeah, you know, as I've said for the other games, it just seems at the minute both teams are evenly matched, and I think Portadown with a home advantage, they, they might just edge it. They've okay, they haven't got the rub of the green all the time at home. They mm. performed really well against them field at home, the same against Glenavon. So um I could see them, especially after beating Warren Point and they've had mm. that week off whereas Palomina have had those two grueling games against Crusaders. I think they'll just edge it. I'm gonna go for a one one here. I think this is quite tough to call. I think Balamina will get the momentum off that win in the League Cup. And you know, I agree with you on the fatigue side of things, but when you get that late winner, it can be very crucial. And I know Portadown haven't had uh, any competitive action, obviously, with the, the break. And, you know, that might be of a detriment to Matthew Tipton's side. But you just never know, because Tippy's a good coach, good managers, uh, have good players there. But we just have to wait and see. I think whoever wins this game will get their season very much up and going. Now, of course, the last time Warren Point Town and Linfield met at Milltown, Warren Point 1-2-1, a famous win for them last season. Of course, you could hear my chat with Connie and McGreevy about that uh, in my archives. But... You know, we look at Warren Point struggling in the league, but, you know, a bit of a free hit for them here because Linfield, you know, look like they're getting up and going uh, off the gate. We said sometimes this season they've just lacked that little bit of an X factor, but it just seems slowly but surely they're getting up and going. Yeah, you know, I think as well, all the impetus is on them to win the game. Probably why it's a free hit for Warren Point, but, you know, Given the contrast in forms of the teams at the moment, I think it's hard to look past them winning this one. Um, you know, one point they'll probably make a game of it as they're at home, but I, I just think Linfield will have too much for them. I mean, if the results go Linfield's way this weekend, they could go top of the table because if Cliftonville and Lauren were to draw, for example, you know, that could be uh, a, a welcome result for them. But, you know, one point were to get something from this game, it gives them a bit of confidence and maybe brings Palomino Porter down, Dungannon, right into that scrap at the bottom. And, okay, we're only seven or eight games in, but it shows you that Ward Point are in the fight and they're ready to get their hands dirty. Yeah, you know, especially last year when you were kind of thinking, you know, are Ward Point going to go down? But they seem to pull themselves away a bit from Carrick and Dungannon. And I think a few results, especially big results, if they were to beat Limpid, you know, there'd be a real statement of intent and that they are, you know, up for the fight. But I don't see it coming this early. But, you know, I definitely don't think... 
I think they may be down there this season, but you know, Barry Gray is such an experienced manager and always seems to pull them away from trouble, um, even when it looks unlikely. So I think they'll be all right, but I, I don't see them winning this weekend. Yeah, no, neither do I, sadly, to all fans of Warren Point, but well, we'll see if they can prove us wrong. Now, the, the game at half five on the BBC Sport and I website is an absolute barnstormer. Glenn Torn against Coleraine. Glenn Torn, of course, have lost three times at home so far this season. They've lost against Crusaders. They've lost against Linfield. You know, they, they don't want to lose against Coleraine here. That would be real problem. They've also lost to Cliftonville away. You know, they don't want to make it full defeat so far this season. Yeah, you know, they, they seem to have really struggled so far this season against the bigger sides. You know, Coleraine is going to be a really difficult opposition, especially in the run that they're on, and they'll take some stopping. So it's, it's set up to be a really interesting game. You know, a half-five kickoff. you know, what what more do you want on, on BBC Sport website as well? It's just, it's great coming home from Cliftonville and then to watch that. But um, I think Coleraine might just edge this. And Ooh. I think, you know, yeah, I'm go- I'm going for a Korean win. Interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a draw. I'm gonna go one one. I just think that Glen Torn will get something out of this game to to kind of stabilize their season a little bit because it's been a little bit up and down for them. And Cole Rain, we know how good they have been defensively, but how long can he keep that going? I just think that the Glens with their firepower that they have at the top of the pitch, they're gonna create chances, they're gonna put Cole Rain under pressure, and I just think they might get something there. So I'm gonna go one one. Uh, as I said, I won't be on uh, with a recorded show next week, so we'll have a look at the other games the following week because Dungannon hosts the Carrick on the, the Friday night. That's a, a big game, you feel, already in this stage. Of the season. Maybe more for, for Dungannon, more than Carrick, but you know it's an opportunity to see Stuart King's team on TV and see the progress that he's made with that side. Yeah, especially going away to Dungannon as well, and you know, Carrick will be going there thinking they should get the win, but at home are a really good side and they play some nice football so that's definitely going to be set up for an interesting one given their starts to the season and um, I'd probably say Carrick will, will just edge it I think they're just you know they, they're they more solid defensively and if they have a chance in front to go they're probably more likely to take it so I think that, as you say but it'll be another interesting one especially on a Friday night Yeah no I agree I think Carrick will win this game as well next Friday and that that will be be very exciting so I'm going to go 2-0 Carrick in that one. Uh, The four games on the Saturday next week uh, Ballymena at home to Cliftonville that'll be an interesting game there. Coleraine against Warren Point at the showgrounds. Crusaders Glenavon and Glentorn Portadown and then on Monday night that very interesting game live on Sky Sports Lorne against Linfield. I want to give a bit of a shout to Kenny Bruce because he has uh, been supporting or following a launch of Lawrence Bring One More campaign. Uh, there is a video on Lawrence's Twitter account. You can go and check that out. Bit of an opportunity, this, for Lawrence to showcase uh, not just to Northern Irish football, but to British football and beyond how big a gathering that they've gathered over the last few years and what a big opportunity than that match against Linfield at Inverbark on the Monday, the 25th. Yeah, you know, it's, it looks like it's set up for the main mouthwater and tie and especially since got that new stadium, or sorry, new, stadium, new stand um, put in at their stadium and the away fans behind the other end of the net now, you know, it, it just looks fuller and, you know, they have had a lot more fans in so far. It just looks like a great atmosphere. Um, obviously, I haven't got to go to Denver Park yet, but I'm looking forward to it when they do play um, Lorne away. But yeah, especially welcome, welcoming Linfield um, on a Monday night in front of the Sky cameras, you know, no better occasion to launch. Um such an initiative and I think it's just going to be a great occasion all round and oh, it's, it's such a difficult one to call um, yeah, that game, um, 
I, I, I'm gonna yeah. be, I'm gonna be honest with you here. I think Lauren might win this game because they've got a good record against Linfield and Vern. I, I think they might win this game two one. I, I might say the other. I think Limfield might just it. <laughs> I think it's going to be one of these games that the first goal yeah. is going to be going to be so important. Very quickly on the other four games. I mean, Balamina Cliftonville. I think Cliftonville maybe just edged this game. Yeah, it, it's going to be a difficult one. You know, Cliff Mall aren't the best away from home, especially when they go there. Balamina's a bit of a bogey, Balamina. A bit of a bogey yeah. team for Cliftonville, aren't they? I mean, I think they Balamina won 4-0 at Cliftonville last season. I think Shea McCartan had a big influence in that. I'm doing our best to, to make her very unhappy <laughs> on the show this week. <laughs> oh, God, no. I, I just remember I was in work last year for that game and I just got texts from my brother, goal after goal going in, and I was, I was just in shock. So, <laughs> But yeah, you know, if they get the win this weekend, Cliftonville, um, or vice versa, I mean, as well, get the win, it'll be set up both teams going this one with, you know, a chance that they think they can win it. But as a Cliftonville fan, I'll go, I'll go for Cliftonville. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to try and get back in your good books here because I think Cliftonville <laughs> will win it 2-1. Um, Coleraine against Warren Point. I think Coleraine will win this game. I'm going to go 2-0, I think, here. Yeah, I think it'll be a comfortable one as well. They've, they've started well at the showground so far, so... I think that'll continue and, you know, you just feel so sorry for Warren Point. Their fixtures mm. at the moment, they're, they're just they're getting not beaten up, aren't they? Which is a bit of a shame, you know, it's it's a real shame for them yeah. that fixtures haven't been kind to them. Uh, Crusaders, Glen Avon, I mean, this is a game that's usually littered with goals and I think we might get a draw here. I'm going 2-2 here. Yeah, it was it was last season they had that crazy game um, mm. when it was a TV, wasn't it? It was yeah. a high-scoring um, encounter. So, yeah, I, I think there'll be a score draw as well. Um, you know, Glen Avon, haven't had starts this season, but I feel they always score goals against Crusaders, so I can see a draw on that one. Yeah, that was the well, but Crusaders obviously have beaten Glen Avon six one in the past, and you know some some really crazy scores, and you know that that could be anything there. Glen Torren poured it down. I have to fancy the Glens here, but but poured it down on their day can give the big teams a run for the money. But I think the Glens win it three one for me. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go two now. I think it'll be a pretty routine win for Glen Torren. It's one of yeah. those games, you know, especially if the result doesn't go for them this weekend, it'll be one which it'll be a part of the win. Yeah, very much so. Let's move into the championship. Um, six games all on Saturday. Anna United at home to Ballyclare Comrades. Ards face Queen's University. Dirk Veer at home to Loch Gall. The Ballards travel to Dundella. As we mentioned, Harlan and Wolf Welders playing at the Blanche Flower Stadium for the very first time. And they host Knock Breda. And Uri City travel up to Institute at the Brandywell. I mean... Some interesting games there. Very quickly, Lauren. Um, Anna United, Ballyclare. I think I'll have to go um, for Ballyclare, but, you know, that's going to be a really tight game and it'll be kind of, you know, interesting to see if one of those, lo- whoever loses that game, you know, do they start to fall away from the chasing pack mm, of ordinary? So it, it'll definitely be, you know, a really one to see who can continue to cling in their coattails, especially with Ards, you know, obviously they have Queen's probably, you know, one of the easiest fixtures they're likely to win that one. So it'll be imperative for one of those teams to come away with the three points just to stay in and around. Yeah, I think Ballyclare will nick it as well. I think it'll maybe be 1-0. Um, I think Ards will beat Queen's University at Clandy Boy. Yeah, I don't have doubt about that one, unfortunately. <laughs> the three yeah. teams are on at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a comfortable home win. Dirkview lock goals, interesting, because Dirkview at home can be dodgy. I'm going to go draw here. I'm going to go 1-1. I think lock all might edge this one. I'm going to go 1-0. Mm. 
Now, Dundella against Balna Mallard here. Now, I was a bit of a lucky sign for Niall Curry a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I wasn't last week. Uh, I'm going to go draw here and go 1-1. I think they'll, they'll bounce back and I think they'll get the win at home. And I'm going to go uh, for Harlan and Wolf Welders to win their first game of their new stadium. I think they'll beat Not Breda 3-1. I think it'll be uh, 2-0. But yeah, I definitely think big occasion. I think they'll perform. Now, Newry City Away to Institute is very interesting. And Newry haven't been a great form of late. So this is a tricky one for me to call here. I'll, I'll go another draw. I'll go 1-1 again. Yeah, I, I can see a 1-1 draw as well. As you said, you know, Newry haven't had the greatest of runs recently and Institute of Canada, their form's parked mm-hmm. up a bit since the managers come in. So it'll be another interesting one. I'm sure ours will be watching closely in that game as well. As, you know, maybe if they win their game, a chance to pull away at the top. Yeah, and of course, this is, you did be Ards at home earlier in the season at the Brandywell, which uh, will certainly serve as a bit of a warning for Newry City. Uh, we won't preview the games on the 23rd of the Championship, but it's Balna Mallard against Anna, Ballyclare at home to Institute, not Breda against Dondella, Local Ards at Lakeview is an interesting game, Newry City against Dirkview, and Queen's host Harlan and Wolf Welders. Uh, very quickly into the Intermediate League. Uh, again, we won't preview these games, but it's Lisburn Distillery against Banger. Portshire against Dollingstown. The PSNI home to Limavari United. Tobermore are against Banbridge Town. And Armagh City are against Moyola Park. There is only one game on the 13th of November. Or oh, we're into November, sorry, not October. Uh, so these games are all in November, I should say. PSNI against Lisburn Distillery. Well, we're just about coming towards the end of the show, but we have to talk, as always, on the show. We always like to build this up. And we always like to talk about the Niffle Fantasy Football. Uh, Lauren, we have to... First of all, congratulate you on this podcast because uh, you are going absolutely fantastically in the top 10, sitting eighth. How are you doing this? Oh, it's it's been a come down. You should have had me on three weeks ago when I was I know you were sitting second. second. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Quite extraordinary. So I, mean, come down. I mean, if I, I mean looking at the table, you're only three points behind. Uh, the score's very own Michael Clark, so quite extraordinary, your tally, 583 points. Who are you putting it down to, your players? I'm, I'm in good company beside Michael, but um, I played, I don't know if many people know, but I actually played my triple captain quite early. Um, I just thought it was a good time of the season to play up before injury, so actually I triple captain Ryan Curran um, the day he scored against Warm Point, and I think I got manager of the week that season yes, because saw that. for that Again, because my, my points just went through the roof. Um, so I've, I've had Ryan Curran. He's a really good one to have in there. Jimmy McDonough as well, obviously mm. there. Um, Lee Lynch has been really good to me and Matthew Shavlin. And then at the back, you know, Lyndon Cain. Daniel Armour's been a surprising one with Crusaders keeping mm. those clean sheets. So I'm giving away all my secrets. But <laughs> I was going to say, what, what's your tips for this weekend? Because I, I have uh, changed my formation for the first time uh, since the start. I've always been playing a 3-4-3. This week I'm playing a 4-3-3. And I'm captaining Stephen Fallon. Uh, Linfield are, of course, away at Warren Point. Who are you going with? Oh, it's a tough one because I have, you know, quite a few Codrian players in there. And Lyndon Keynes don't make it one the captain. But against Glenn Thorne, it's going to be tough. So I, I might go... Normally, when I pick Ryan Kern, he scores. So um, I might go Ryan Kern as a, a good luck charm again. I, I, I Clifton will do well when Ryan Curran scores, doesn't he? I think Marshall Gillespie tweeted something that yeah. when he scores, Clifton will never lose. Is that right? Yeah, I don't think they've lost the game in which he scored. Yeah, that's a really good stat from Marshall. It gets updated nearly every week. You know, he was Ryan Kern <laughs> scores so regularly. So yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm going to go him. 
Yeah, I mean, Matthew Clark has been a real uh, help for me in terms of captain's uh, performances over the last week or so. In fact, I Instagrammed Mike, uh, Matthew very recently. So uh, uh, great thanks uh, for him for that, for the contributions. Um, I, I'll tell you one player I have put into my team recently because you haven't been there uh, all the show recently. I put Chris Gallagher in my midfield. So uh, I thought I should put in a, a Cliftonville player as well. Um, I think the other one I put in in recent weeks, I okay, I did Steve uh, Sean Ward on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. I put in Tomas Cosgrove in at the back, and of course, you as I mentioned at the top of the show, you spoke to Tomas for the for the sporty scoop. So Tomas, if you're listening, uh, you got a bit of man love on the show. <laughs> so absolutely, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I think I have him in mind too. Yeah, he's such a good player, isn't he? Well, this, of course, is our uh, fantasy football. You, of course, can check that out. The guys at Niffle Fantasy F on Twitter doing a, a really fantastic job there. We're just about coming to the end of the show, Lauren. I mean, it's been a very exciting few weeks for yourself, obviously, the BBC Sport NI uh, article, and obviously your your great work, obviously, you're still doing with the, the Irish blog and your work with uh, the Copite for, for Liverpool and obviously the Sporty Scoop. So some very exciting things on the go. Anything you can share with the listeners of what things are coming up for you? Oh, God. <laughs> Quite a lot. Um, I'm hopefully going to have um, another interview with She Kicks Mag um, with Louise McDonough, which I'm really looking forward to, just about her start of the season and obviously scoring um, on her first start for Northern Ireland was really good. So I'm hoping that'll be out in the next edition of the magazine in November time. And yeah, just more episodes of the Sporty Scoop. Um, we're trying to get a few interesting guests on. No confirmations yet, so unfortunately you can't reveal anything. But yeah, just continuing Reds by the minute and, you know, Liverpool women, another good win last night. So just continue writing about them because games come thick and fast. But yeah, just always busy, it seems. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And remember to go and check out the Sporty Scoop, Lauren's uh, sec- well main project work, I've got to say, uh, for Queen's University. We're very indebted to have her here on the Northern Irish Football Show here on Campbell's Footballs for her knowledge and understanding of the Irish League. It really has been excellent to have her once again on the show. Well, that brings us very much to the end of another episode of the Northern Irish Football Show. As I said just a few moments ago, uh, there will be no show next week as I am off on holidays, but we will be back sometime soon where I'll be joined once again, hopefully by Ryan McConville uh, to give his thoughts on the Irish League. And as I said, we've got quite a lot of fixtures to dissect, so a little bit of a bumper review for you. you got a bumper preview for this episode. Hopefully for the next one, you'll have a bumper review. Do f- check out some of my previous discussions with Clifford Adams and I think I've had a great one with Kim Nelson, Paul Harbinson, and, and obviously some of the other chats as well. Go and check that out. As I mentioned, go and check out Lauren's podcast, The Sporty Scoop, a recent show uh, with uh, Tomas Cosgrove and also with Josh Bunting. Um, very, very good discussion. Go and check out Lauren's content as well. Uh, but from all of us here, thanks very much once again for checking out the show. Uh, all the very best to you. Enjoy the weekend of football and all the very best. Goodbye. What a danger